The Supernovas, who have had an interesting week, fall to 1-2 and two in the Pro Volleyball Federation as the Vegas Thrill post a five-set victory. They have just over 9,000 fans, though, at the Chais. That's pretty good. Not all was sad for Creighton as Ryan Kalkbrenner is one of 15 men on the watch list for this year's Naismith Trophy Defensive Player of the Year Award. He leads the Big East with 2.59 block shots per game, ranks sixth nationally. In league play, he has nearly three blocks per game, also ranks third in the Big East in field goal percentage, fifth in rebounds, and sixth in points per game. After the Jays lose to Providence in overtime last night, they're in Cincinnati to face Xavier Saturday morning at 1130. A lot better. Omaha men's and women's basketball tonight at 7 o'clock against North Dakota. The men are in tropical Grand Forks, near 50 there this morning. The women are in even more tropical Omaha. It's already in the 50s here. They'll both face, face the Bison of North Dakota State Saturday. Women are here, men are in Fargo. A little more than six years after NBA players began wearing sponsored patches on their jerseys, NBA referees will do the same for the first time. Oh, now the money's going to roll in. NBA officials will begin donning shirts with... Emirates Airlines patches. I say that right? I don't know. Directed directly under the NBA logo on the left chest at the All-Star game in a couple weeks. Officials will continue wearing the patches when the season resumes a few days later. Meanwhile, G League referees, because you are all wanting to know before we start getting emails about what about the G League, they'll begin wearing the patches to start next season, and WNBA officials will start in the league's 2025 season. The ref patches were just a piece of the endorsement rollout for Emirates based in Dubai, which is a multi-year deal, officially becomes the NBA's global airline. So congratulations to them. They will also sponsor the NBA in-season tournament, which will be rebranded as the Emirates NBA Cup. Tim Donaghy said this is the way I could have made money back then. Jeez. He was ahead of his time. He really was. Uh, Nick Saban is ready to go back to work. That, that didn't last long. One of the most accomplished coaches in college football history with a lot of national championships will be joining... The SEC, oh, ESPN, sorry. <clears throat> there, he will primarily serve as an analyst on College Game Day and will lend his expertise across ESPN's platform to a variety of events, including the NFL Draft and, of course, SEC Media Days. Finally, a vast majority of players in the NFL Players Union want to play on natural grass fields. This was announced the other day by the executive director of the NFLPA, adding that there is a certain hypocrisy with some NFL stadiums agreeing to adhere to FIFA regulations by installing grass for the upcoming soccer ball matches in the World Cup in a couple of years, but reverting to artificial turf for football games. It's, okay, it's not artificial turf. It's it's real grass. Artificial turf is, the, you know, the good stuff that ripped up your arm. The carpet. Yeah. He said, it's really basic. It's not rocket scientists. 92% of our union wants grass. They might have been confused as to the type of grass so they want. Anyway, that's compelling. The bottom line is it is unquestionable that our union wants to have a working condition where they play on grass. Al said data collected by the union showed injuries occurring on a slower rate on natural grass fields as opposed to artificial turf. I wonder what Kyle Shanahan thought of that. <laughs> Everyone's against them. Ah, oh, bad grass. Well, it's, it, it's an issue that... I mean, we're to Thursday with the Super Bowl, and it's still an issue where the Niners are bringing it up. Yeah. But I think the Niners are fighting for the players. I mean, the players in the, the the players' association in the NFL they're going back and forth on this turf versus grass thing, and it's just magnified by whatever the 49ers have been practicing on. That in Super Bowl week, that's really a story. Mm-hmm. I think they're making it even more of a story because they're on the side of the players going against the NFL who, you know, is not 
not pro. Let's protect the players. Quickly about the World Cup. We didn't talk about this the other day when they announced the schedule. First of all, it's cool for, for soccer fans that we're going to be close enough to go down to Kansas City because they're going to have six matches at Arrowhead. But the, the championship is at MetLife. Mm-hmm. We have SoFi and Jerry's World. Yeah. MetLife. Better climate. There is, there, I've been there. There's nothing special about it. Like, not, like you go to SoFi or you go to Jerry's World and you go, whoa. So the world is going to watch us at MetLife. Yeah. Money, money talks. I get it now. I used to fight that. I used to think, no, no, no. FIFA is above board. They just make a really cool video game. It's all up and up. <laughs> yeah. 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 When, when that came out the other day, I thought, oh, 90 degrees with 90% humidity. Sounds wonderful for a championship match instead of the AC of Jerry World or the nice climate of Southern California. I mean, Seattle's getting some matches. It, it, Joey, yeah. shout out Joey, get, told me this yesterday. The U.S. will be playing their matches in Seattle and at SoFi. Gee, I wonder why. You mean they're not going to play in Miami or outside mm-hmm. in the heat and humidity of Kansas City? Like, no, that's mm-hmm. they know what they're doing. Hey, it's you, you've already heard, you know, Messi is playing down at Arrowhead yeah. uh, with Inter-Miami. So you've heard that ad that's been running now for a couple of weeks. Uh, I, I think soccer fan or not, you have to go experience it. Mm-hmm. And if it's that if 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 we have the World Cup in a venue that's that close to Omaha, I, would I think go. you gotta make I think you gotta make the three hour trip. Go down and I don't I don't care. I may never playing. be making it to the stadium. I'm gonna you know, just be be around yeah. it. Yeah. You know, you get to you get to go in, you'll watch uh, a little FIFA soccer and you'll see uh, you know, the three uh Super Bowl, maybe four Super Bowl oh, flags that'll oh. be up above Arrowhead Stadium. And you are I I know we'll we'll get our, our predictions tomorrow, but you are you're beaming with confidence. He's right setting now. it up to say, you know what? It's Kyle Shanahan's time. The 49ers are are going to win by ten or something like that. Should Treat be confident. Uh, you're you're back no, in a very no. familiar spot. No, no. I, I, hey, it, it's my team. I'm rooting for them. Doesn't mean that I think they're going to win. We'll save that for tomorrow. Yeah. But I ask people, can you bet against Patrick Mahomes? Nope. Okay. Thank you. It's you hard to say yes. Me. It's hard to say yes. I mean, this is true. You, you said it all week. You can't bet against fifteen. And Madden used to always say the champion's the champion until somebody beats them. So until San Francisco beats them, that's the champion. Uh, Scary Gary on the stream says, time to explain those Super 6 rankings, gentlemen. Mario Buford would like a word. So I I am taking it that Schaefer has released the media Husker 24-7 Super 6. Yeah, Just a little bit ago, about a half hour ago, they went out. Yeah, I, I know he was going to do it today. I didn't know it was going to be uh, what time. Usually, it's uh, so. Like so eight. they. Uh, I had this discussion with Shafe. They got to. We have to separate it because you have. You know, some some people I know. Um, some people don't even have Dylan Raiola in their top two. Hi, Mitch. Um, <laughs> some people don't have Carter Nelson. Uh, I think I have Carter Nelson at six, but I think we have to separate it from the portal guys and the high school guys. Because, you know, getting down to a six and a sleeper can be a little bit tough. But regardless of what us media honks know and don't know, <laughs> hey. And, 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 and it, so another, no, one, one other quick thing here before I talk about the recruiting class that is now finalized is Schaefer gave us all a deadline before Will Height committed. Yes. So I did not I have would, him in mind. I would probably have Keona Will Height in my super six. So that's, if he doesn't show up in people's super six, um, it's not that we don't like him. It's, you know, some of us had to get it in before 
you know, Will Height officially committed yesterday. But think about this for a moment about Rule um, and his his little time with the media yesterday. And again, I he's clear, he's he's confident, he's concise when he talks. He feels the room. Like I, I know you guys saw him when he was at the Jet Award. Mm-hmm. I've seen him speak at a couple other different places. Like if the room is popping, like there's a good vibe. Matt Rule will go on like a riff. Okay, he's the pastor's son. He did that yesterday. Yeah. I laughed out loud. I LOL'd myself when he talked about the 85 scholarships and being stopped on the street. Yeah. Thank you for listening. I know you do listen to this show. Uh, I have said, don't worry about the 85. They'll be fine. They'll get to it. They won't violate any rules. But do we really believe that Matt Rule was stopped on the street? that he was asked about this. I know that the fan base can be a little bit over the top, but I don't think when Matt Rule is sitting, uh, you know, he's sitting in uh, Havelock having a pizza that uh, somebody goes, uh, Matt, I got you at 105. What are you going to do with those 20? Yeah. I don't think that. So There he, he is. There rolling. he is. Go ask him. And I also think the part about Brock Purdy, he maybe like, you know, played into the, the room and started to talk it up. But whether he does that or not and – He's good in those settings, and he gave us some really good information yesterday. Mm-hmm. You got to give it up. So this is a sign, and and this is for a team that's five and seven. I'm glad he said, "Hey, we're five and seven until we play Utah." Is his first full recruiting class, his first one that he got his hands on every single prospect. Man, for Nebraska to be about third or fourth in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. That could be scary because they recruited really well, and they're not a flashy recruiting unit. They have an identity. They, had, they go after that identity. Yeah, you're helped by a five-star quarterback and nine four-stars. But for their first full year of recruiting, man, they did some work to put together this recruiting class to have that ranking coming off a five-and-seven season when essentially you're still newbies, you and your staff. So kudos to them. That's that's a that's a good start for a team that hasn't been to a bowl game in seven years, and you're five and seven in your first year. I so I brought this up yesterday. I, I think we've had this conversation a little bit about the narrative about recruiting, especially when it comes to Nebraska, given some of the seasons here as of late, where people will you, you know you, you see a five star like Dylan Riley, you get really excited. You see them addressing needs. You see them trying to again, be able to put them in a position to where they get old, stay old, as you like to say. And they did all that. I mean, they checked so many boxes in this one. And there's still always going to be that, I I think, that section of fans, which I totally understand, that's going to say, okay, that's cool, but let me know how this is all working out once we get to September. And and I get that, too. I I absolutely do. But what I, I also think that you saw, even momentarily last year, not even momentarily, but in certain areas last year, is some of those true freshmen that came in under this staff already begin the stages of development to where you can start to forecast what could be a very promising future for those players. Once you get to the point, and this, I think this class, this is what it, this class represents to me more than anything, is that you have a lot of guys that, like other recruiting classes, come in with ability, but you also now have a coaching staff that has – that reputation, but already showed a little bit of it last year of being able to develop both your high end guys and then your, you know, what if you want to call them the project type guys, guys that maybe don't have the three or four stars, 
but guys that look like they could be sort of positionless, you can plug them in different areas. You start developing those guys, and all of a sudden you have not only the ability of what this coaching staff can do from a recruiting standpoint, but then they show that reputation of development where all of a sudden when people see a Dylan Riola, people see a Ja'Cory Barney, and you're thinking, man, I hope he works out. And you're, all of a sudden now you're in the mindset of, cannot wait to see what this guy can do because we got yeah. a coaching staff that actually develops that type of talent. Yeah, they got some uh, they got some traction uh, to to be able to put together a class like this in your first full recruiting class when you were five and seven and really didn't have a cornerstone mm-hmm. to recruit off of. I think is promising in the future. Uh, a little bit of of why they were able to secure Will Height and thank you to UCLA. Everybody should um, <laughs> be sending a thank you card to UCLA, which is in limbo and it's bull. It is bull crap in Westwood that those kids are in limbo with their head coach who today might be named the OC at Ohio State. They're in limbo, and that program then will open a 30-day window for the portal. There's some pretty good players at UCLA, okay? That's BS what Chip Kelly is doing. UCLA should cut ties now and say, get out. We don't need you. Go to Ohio State. Be the OC. You're screwing with our program right now. But with that said, thank you to Chip Kelly. He helped Nebraska. Now, another part of the recruiting of Wilhite and kind of this recruiting and moving forward with the 24 roster is stability was a big thing in this recruiting that after the first year, Rule didn't blow up his coaching staff and go, eh, that guy can't make it in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. Because Frost actually probably should have done that after his first year when he realized some guys are not equipped to be in the Big Ten. He held on too long. It affected him. Rule looked at his staff and said, you know what? I think we're okay. Kept him together. His biggest win of the offseason is keeping Tony White. Tony White stayed. Tony White and Terrence Knighton did a great job with Will Height. They're a fantastic combo. I, I said this the other day because Tony White, Tony White is a huge, huge part of Keona Wilhite committing to Nebraska because Tony White is very concise. He sells his message, and he's going to be a beast recruiting as a head coach next year or the following year. But if you have the white knight and combo that work well together because they're speaking the same language, you got Will Height. Mm-hmm. Now go get me Christian Jones at Westside and right. we're cooking with some peanut oil. But I think stability through the whole process of recruiting, you know, the only the only hiccup you had was at tight end where you had a guy that was on your staff because he could recruit high school guys in Texas. You didn't really miss a beat there. But this staff, to put together that recruiting class, that's a lot of traction moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's kind of the exciting thing about yesterday. I, I don't know about you, Gary, because you've, you've covered a lot of these too. It just felt a little bit different. I mean, yesterday, and I mean, even going back to December, obviously with the Dylan Riola part of that uh, feeling, obviously had a different feel than years past. But there's, it's one thing to, to grab a couple of, you know, to get a five-star and some four-stars and complimentary guys and then to really have the success they had in state-wise. But I also think that you you take a hard look at each position coach. You take a hard look at a lot of these players that you hope can impact by as early as their redshirt freshman year. And some of these guys are going to be having the opportunity to do it even before that. That you feel confident with, I would say, the majority of those position coaches. I, I, and I was talking to Shafe about this yesterday. I, you know, One of the obvious big developments in the spring now is going to be to start seeing that relationship between Glenn Thomas and his quarterbacks, mainly Glenn Thomas and Dylan Riola especially, but there's a lot of 
I think that that hope because you could look at last year. Now, Terrence brings this up in the stream, which I think is is true when it comes to the development of what you saw some of those freshmen go through last year because there were injuries that allowed them to play. And that's true. I mean, sometimes it is all about the opportunity. And sometimes those guys, when they first get that first shot, especially some of those wide receivers, uh, which I'm assuming is what Terrence is probably talking about more than anything, it, it might be a little bit more slow going. But this is the thing where it's not just the game reps. The game reps are big, but it's, okay, you take that first game. You're able to break it down with your position coach. You're able to break it down with your coordinator. And then you're able to apply the good and the bad, and you go forward to the next game. By the time of the end of the year, if you look at guys like Jalen Lloyd, if you look at guys like Malachi Coleman, far better than where they were when they first set foot on the field. Game reps helped, yes, but the ability to process everything that they were experiencing, both good and bad in a game, and then being able to apply that, to me, that's part of the development. Then you look on the defensive side of it. You know, Cam Lenhart was always going to play. Didn't matter if there was going to be injuries or not. He was always going to play. Princewell was always going to play. And you look at those guys from the time that they started to the time that they got to the end of the season, despite even, you know, being banged up a little bit. Those guys got better. So you're looking at freshmen not only being developed behind the scenes, getting the game reps, getting the opportunities, but being able to take those experiences in a game and getting better in a lot of those high-end recruits that we were wondering if they would even get a shot to, to really impact the team beyond four games. You had a handful of guys that were able to do that. So I, I just think that, to me, that's why yesterday felt different because you already saw a small sample size, but a sample size indeed, of those young players being developed to the point that they were impacting football games? Well, I think a, a, a part of yesterday, and in addition, like Will Height late, and he's going to make an impact. I, I love his length. I think he's a guy that has a knack for the football. He played in a really good high school football program against really good talent. He looks like a Big Ten defensive end. Is the, 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 the thing about when you're, when you're at a Fortune 500 company like Nebraska football is, Fortune 500 companies – they don't turn the lights off. Mm-hmm. They don't say, hey, we only work nine to five. And at 515, everybody's out of the building and the lights are off. Yesterday showed that you're never closed for business. A guy falls yeah. into your lap. Yeah. yeah, we'll make room for him. We'll figure it out on the back end. Don't, don't, don't worry about us. Our job is, if I'm a builder, is to build the best football program possible with the best amount of talent. And I don't care when it comes. If it shows up on my doorstep in May or if it comes to me in January, mm-hmm. I'm always open for business. And I think there have been times through the recruiting process with a couple of different staffs where they reached the finish line and they were like, whew, we're done. That's our roster. I think Rule realizes that, especially in this conference, you're never done. Right. You're never done in churning your roster, whether it making the guys better or making the roster and your program as a better. And that's, that's something you always got to be recruiting. You always got to be looking out for what can make your program better. And, you know, you can never become complacent. This league isn't going to allow you to do that. And that was a little sign yesterday that Nebraska, if they want a guy, they'll make room for a guy. And it's not just Will Height. You know, they ended, added Prescott. They added mm-hmm. a couple of walk-ons that I think down the road could possibly work themselves into a scholarship. So you're always open for business. I mean, they never turn on the no vacancy. Right. right. And you, know? you, and you know what? Uh, that's, a, that, that's important today because everybody is looking 24-7, 365. Everybody is looking at a situation that might be better than yours. And they're looking at your program to see who you played and who you took. 
And if you're not open to that, Gary, then you're you're not doing your job as a coach in this day and age of college football. If you want to be well, it's not for everyone though. Nick. It's not. You're it's right not because because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm always going. I'm always sure. going. I'm always going. Well, that's what you are in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. You can't take any days off in Nebraska and expect to be successful. Exactly, and that, that's the part. If you want to be as competitive of a, I like how he used this yesterday to organization, not program organization. If you want to be as competitive as you possibly can be able to stack up as many wins you have to have that mindset and the one thing that i I think we've all learned from mad rule now when it comes to now a a full year of both seeing recruiting seeing preseason seeing a season and now into the postseason slash preseason is he is a he's extremely high on on competition but he's also very loyal to the people who commit early on to these to this program and and when i say that i mean the freshmen the high school part of the recruiting side of it. What he said yesterday, I think, was walking the perfect line of we are always looking to upgrade our roster, which translation to me is we are always looking to put the highest competition in every position battle that we can possibly pull off. But also, when he talked about, when it got brought up to the the guys that will be here for maybe a year or two, that it has to be a special situation, that it's not ideal for them, it's not ideal for him, but he's never going to completely turn that away. What you're sending the message to, we want you to be in our program with at least two or three years ahead of you. So we can have you here for years to come. We're going to get the best out of you. You're going to get the best out of us. So that is as to reward those guys. I like what he had to say when you've got a guy who's been here for two years. He gets to his third year, and it's finally his time to impact the team and then all of a sudden we bring in a one and done type guy in that same position that i think was an important message too is we don't want to do that if we have to we will from a competition standpoint but ideally we want these guys three or four years and get that development to by the time they're year two or year three they are impacting that team i think that was an important message yesterday Uh, a little bit later steve simple will join us in about an hour um and uh we'll uh, we'll get to his read on yesterday and also some comments about Glenn Thomas, don't you go anywhere near Saturday calling plays, Glenn Thomas. Don't you, because you would ruin with our angst on Satterfield. He's the OC collaborator. Three times in 12 games last year, they only scored 20 or more. Welcome back. Uh, Also, Sarah Baker Hanson at the top of the hour, Brian Edwards as well, with his favorite props for the Super Bowl, which comes your way on Sunday, right here on The uh, Zone. It's mornings with Sharp and Hanley and Jimmy on 1620 The Zone.